Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Alemus, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Alemus and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave him judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Saviour Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism for all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for. But there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. 
Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today, I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, and up there. (laughs) So a long reading, but a reading today that tells the story of a journey. A journey through many miles, through many lifestyles and cultures and different ways of living. A journey and a mission that Paul and Barnabas were called to, to reflect on the history of God's relationship with humanity through the nation of Israel, to establish the good news of Jesus Christ and to be a visible sign of the presence and the power and the purpose of the Holy Spirit, a journey framed and rooted in the calling of the Trinity God, God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit. So in this journey, I want to refer to three locations, if I might. The first location, in the church. The second location, I'd like to phrase it as on the street, the encounter between Sergius Eliamus and Paul and Barnabas. And the third location, we arrive at the synagogue towards the end. But I want to just stretch that location a bit, to be thinking about facing persecution, I think I'll make it clear when we get there. In the church, isn't it a privilege for us to gather this morning? We are free to do that. And in the church at that time, 
the Holy Spirit's discernment of vocation and call, the work that God wanted these two men to do was born out of the gathered community praying and fasting and worshipping God. That was where it was born, in the church. But you know, when I was preparing, I was noticing that other comment, that they reached out and they touched them. So the whole congregation were involved in this story, in this journey. And I was thinking about here at Christchurch, you know, what are those evangelistic and mission concerns that we have going out into our own parish? You know, as a chaplain, I'm going out to where there are older people scattered, forgotten, and bringing that gospel to that place. There is outreach through the youth work we heard last week. There is outreach through children and families, through our work with those who are struggling with debt and poverty. So many ways in which, as a church, we are reaching out to the local community. How much can we confidently say we are reaching out our hands, getting engaged with that work, praying with it, being involved and caring about it? I think there's lots of evidence that we are, but perhaps this morning we can think a bit more. Is that me? Is there something more that God is asking of me? In the church. So our second location becomes that location of Paul and Barnabas journeying and coming across this encounter with Sergius and Eliamus. And here we see the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. There is the presence of the Holy Spirit in enabling Sergius to come toward faith. You know, how would Sergius have done that if Paul and Eliam, um, getting my names mixed up, Paul and Barnabas hadn't left and gone on this journey? The Holy Spirit has stirred them to go on this journey, and he has prepared the heart of Sergius, who is turning toward the possibility of Christian faith. I think it's really important that we know who Sergius was, because Proconsul, as I understand it, meant court wizard. So he was an intelligent man who was really interested in all the superstitions of the time. He was interested in the spiritualistic practices and occult practices of the time. But something in him wants to hear the word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The word Jesus Christ. Sergius's heart is being turned toward Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's presence is enabling that to happen. But there's more happening in this encounter because the Holy Spirit is bringing the thwarting of Eliamus's desire to deceive and undermine Sergius in his heart to turn to Jesus Christ. And he is led into mist and darkness. I was sharing at Quakers Road a bit about last weekend we weren't here because we were walking up mountains in the Lake District and uh, all my family is smiling because we were going up Old Man of Coniston and um, I was struggling and it took all my family to get me up, so thank you folks, to get up to the top. But when we got to the top we were hoping for this beautiful view of the Lake District and in a sense we did, in part, we got a beautiful view. But the cloud was coming in. And as the cloud was coming in, Dave was sort of saying to us, ah, we might need to get the compass out. It's going to be really difficult to see the path and the way down. In the same way, Eliamus 
is cast into mist and darkness. He has to grope around for a hand to find where he is at that present time. And it says in the Bible, after a time, for a time, that's what it means, for a time. Eliamus has been sent into this mist and darkness for a time. That he must go deeper and seek deeper for where God is, for who Christ is, for where the Spirit is leading. For a time. So the Holy Spirit's presence is there, is bringing the possibility of faith through Sergius and is stopping spiritual abuse in its tracks, preventing darkness from undermining Sergius's desire for faith and drawing another into the space of seeking God, seeking the Holy Spirit. It's important that we understand the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in that encounter because Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe Luke has written that because it showed that Paul was doing the work of God. He wasn't just another magician or another clever, intelligent man. He was doing the work of God. And the Holy Spirit was empowering him to do that. Really important distinction in that time. So our location of being with Paul and Barnabas in that encounter, what do we think the purpose of the Holy Spirit is? I believe the Holy Spirit was establishing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. I want to say something in reference to the gospel of Jesus Christ because I feel impassioned as I've prepared about this and I just want to say who Jesus is and what the good news is. So I'm just going to say it. Because... When Jesus was crucified, I don't know about you, but in that time, the culture of honour and shame, which perhaps we can recognise in some of our world today, that culture meant that crucifixion was the worst place, the most deep soul pain you could have. You were cast out from humanity, you were cast out from the grace of God, you were nothing. It was the lowest place. And Jesus, on the request of the Father God, chooses to go there he goes there in order that we are forgiven in order that we are restored to God's love for us in order that the kingdom of God is established right relationship with God right relationship with one another relationships built on trust built on goodness not deception on truth and conversion not on perversion built on joy and peace and love and kindness and gentleness and self-control, fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is the good news. And I believe there isn't any better news for anyone, anywhere, than this good news. Luke brings before his readers a dramatic power encounter in which the Holy Spirit overthrew the evil one, the apostle confounded the sorcerer, and the gospel, the good news, triumphed over the occult. Because Jesus doesn't stay on a cross, does he? He rises again. The Holy One does not see decay. So as we are in that location of that encounter, we again today are experiencing the purpose of the Holy Spirit to bring that gospel and to establish the kingdom of God. And I noticed today that we have Caroline and Becky. I hope I've got that right. Thank you, God. 
um, who are renewing their baptism vows. They're coming to stand in that place of faith again. All those years ago, Sergius turned, and today we are celebrating with them their renewal of their baptism vows, and we are remembering our baptism vows. Our commitment to Jesus Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. How exciting is that? It is truly exciting. It is truly exciting. Thank you, Lord. So I want to come to our third location of Paul in the synagogue. And I wonder if you, like me, can see the presence of the Holy Spirit there giving him the boldness and confidence. He proclaims the gospel. He gently explores with the scholars in the Jewish uh, synagogue. He gently explores with them the history. This is where it's all come to, folks, he's saying. And he's gentle and he's kind and he's respectful of that history. But he's saying this is the new thing. This is the new thing that God is doing. Jesus Christ has brought us to that place of forgiveness. It is broken. It is finished. Death is defeated. Here's the new thing. And he had the confidence to do that. That is the presence of the Holy Spirit. But I want to suggest that there's more about this location. Because if you read on just the few verses to 44 and 45, let's listen to that. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them, continue in the grace of God. However, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Initially welcomed. Oh, we're interested in this message about Jesus Christ. And then within a week, rejected, facing hostility, facing persecution. You know, as Christians, we will face hostility and persecution. And Paul's mentioned, today is our focus on open doors a mission organisation that is focusing on the persecuted church throughout this world. But I want to share with you a testimony of a Bangladeshi woman who is a Christian called Manzuri that is in their publications. And I want to do that because it echoes to me the confidence and boldness of Paul all those years ago in the synagogue in that location. You will hear her words and you will hear that confidence and boldness against her persecution and persecutors. And I want to share that with you to encourage you, to lift you, to recognize that when we share the good news of Jesus Christ, we will face hostility, we will face persecution, but we can stand with the confidence that Paul had, that Manzuri has, and that many others have, that this is the way, the truth, and the life. So let me share with you her testimony. We will remain in our Christian faith. As Christian converts, Manzuri and her family face persecution from many directions. Her children were mocked by their teachers and other students at school. Manzuri went to their school to see the principal and class teacher We have the right to choose. Why are my children treated like this? 
In another incident, Mansouri and Rahim were pressured to recant their Christian faith and return to Islam in a family meeting. And Mansouri's in-laws then tried to pressure their children to return to Islam. But the children also refused, saying, we will remain in our Christian faith and love our parents. In Bangladesh, it's uh, number 48 on the 2019 Open Doors World Watch list, which you can find more out about the other countries on the display at the back. Your religion is considered to be part of your identity. Christian believers from Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, or tribal backgrounds suffer the most severe persecution as they are considered to have betrayed their identity. And the Bangladeshi government is increasingly giving in to the demands of local Islamic groups which monitor these minorities. The family moved to Bangladesh's capital, where despite the persecution, Rahim enrolled in a seminary to study for three months for a diploma in Christianity. And the Lord also opened up a way for Manzuri to study the Bible herself. So a friend told her about discipleship training being run by Open Doors, training that thanks to our support and many others in this country, she could attend for free. She joined the program and graduated a year later. And at her graduation, she was reminded to pass on to others what she had learnt, and so to disciple others. Manzori started her first discipleship class by inviting seven families from her church to her house. And later, another three women joined the class, making a total of ten women. Manzori was inspired by what she learnt from the training and wanted to put it into practice. As children of God, we are supposed to be different. Jesus always helped the poor. I'm inspired by that, and I want to help the poor too. She knows this ministry might cost her everything. But she is becoming bolder about her faith in Christ and wants to impact her community. She is becoming bolder about her faith in Christ and wants to impact her community. Echoes of Paul all those years ago and present with us today that we might become bolder, we might impact down end, we might see the change of the work of God and Holy Spirit and Christ in our land. Is that something that stirs others? Because I feel stirred, I feel challenged, I want to say amen. So if anyone else wants to say amen, feel free. (laughs) Amen, yeah. But in all seriousness, this is going to cost us. This is what we face. But we can be confident that Christ is our Lord. He is conquered through the cross and we are forgiven and restored and we can be confident. So I want us to come into a moment of silence, only a very short moment of silence, when we just let what we have heard so far this morning and just listen if God's Spirit lays something on your heart. And then I'm going to invite Ben up to sing a song for us called The Way. It speaks to the way, the truth, and the life. And as that is sung, I just want to invite you to quietly allow it just to pass over you and and use it as a prayer. 
Let the Spirit use it as a prayer within you, as your way of responding to this gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's just be quiet for a moment.